Welcome back to Sportsbeat. I'm Rob Drum. We are here today, April 19th, in the beautiful My Little Falls studio. And as always, I'm here with the man who pushes the buttons, Dave Warner. What's going on? Pushing buttons. There you I go. Think. Yeah, that's right. what I was doing. Are you sure? As long as they're not mine, I don't care. I don't know. I can do that, though. I know you can. <laughs> better than most. Better than most. Better yeah. than most, absolutely. <laughs> We're in studio today with our good friend and area sports reporter, John Rathbun. What's going on? The winter, the the winter uh, snow is gone, and well, well, we got sports going on now. That's kind of nice. Yeah, last time you were here, we were talking about sports coming up, and now it's like it, it seems like it's a little bit back to normal, kind of. I know I was running out the door to get somewhere in section two, and what we talked last time, and I'm trying to think it was like my first week of basketball, or that it was no, after it like 54 weeks or 49 weeks. Yeah. What was it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we did the math just yesterday. Uh, foot, football was uh, it was the seventy sixth week since the last football game this weekend. <sighs> Good lord! I mean, I I I, I can't imagine. I mean, I get to the high school but thing, but like I can't imagine that long as a player, especially. And you know, I you know seniors too. You know, luckily they're getting this uh, this chance going through um, fall too, especially here in Herkimer County and all back online. All everybody went over the weekend. Um, before we dive into football, uh, winter two. You know, basketball could happen. What are your thoughts about that? Anything you saw other than, you know, basketball got played, thankfully, and everybody wore masks? Yeah, I mean, it, it, seemed, to go pretty, it seemed to go mostly pretty smoothly in, in Herkimer County. Um, there were hitches here and there with teams had kid individual players on quarantine. Right. Got one note about a coach that missed a game or something when he had a quarantine early on. Um, but for the most part, we didn't see a ton of cancellations in our county. Yeah. Um, honestly, I've been seeing more problems with the soccer season in Montgomery County than there has been right here with basketball. But basketball went pretty smoothly. It followed the schedule. Um, got to see. I got to see a couple of teams I don't see as much usually. I saw more saw more Old Forge this year than I usually do, but. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That was a fun game in Herkimer. The the Old mm-hmm. Forge coach is just a dynamic guy. And I, I'm pretty sure he accounts for 20 points easily every game just by the way he's dynamic. He keeps his kids engaged, and they got a couple kids that can shoot really good. I'm be- I believe there's two girls on their team. It's co-ed mm-hmm. um, just because they don't have enough to field a girls squad. And and that was that was a really cool experience. Personally, for me, sitting at the table, in my 10 years working the table, I don't think I've – that's probably top five enjoyable games that I've sat in as, as staff. So I thought that was pretty cool, just the whole dynamic. They're cool, cool customers. You know, and, and he was just happy to be there. The kids were happy to be there. They were having fun and enjoying it. I thought that was fun. Yeah, and again, that was a team that, you know, they play teams that I see on a regular basis. So you write up box scores and you write quick roundups off it, but I don't see them a ton. Those two McGrady kids who play guard for them are really quick. They're exciting yeah. kids to watch play. Um, they play good basketball. Yeah. The other thing that was kind of interesting this year was, and again, without a lot of crowds, look at we got to see a couple of new gyms this year that, uh, yep. that will be – Something for area fans to see next year when things open up again, hopefully. And uh, Poland has a new one. I as much as I love the old gym there, but uh, boy, the construction project out at the old West Frankfurt Elementary School that uh, Utica Academy Science has been doing is pretty impressive. And that new gym is is really really good looking. Nice. I, I've seen some of the streams. Obviously, not being able to be there because most of the time they're playing, but it looks pretty expansive. Mm-hmm. Considering did, where was their home gym before? They bounced around. They played home games at the college. They were supposed to play home games at Mohawk Valley last year. Um, before that, they, they played, I think, their first year or maybe first couple of years at Accelerate right. in Whitesboro, which right. has certain logistics issues right. that, uh, that 
the league and the section wasn't really fond of. They wouldn't let them play sectional games there. Right. But uh, so they, but they bounced know, around. So there was no home. Yeah. Now they've got home court. Yeah. So it's and again it, and to go in and see it, it was it was interesting to go find out what it was when I went there the first time, and it's uh, it's a nice facility. Yeah. I'm excited for uh, you know being a homer at Herkimerk. You know, mm-hmm. we were at the elementary school this year because they're doing the capital improvement project up at uh or down at the high school and. Apparently that's coming along really well, so I'm I'm excited to see what that's going to look like. Saw some of the pictures of it and it looks totally revamped, which is awesome. I thought that worked pretty well for them too. I mean, it was, yeah. it was fortunate. I think I think the elementary school gym is a very playable gym. Sure, but it wouldn't work with a crowd. There's right. No, there's no space for spectators really, but right. to play on the it's a solid gym. It's legit and playable. I, uh, I kind of enjoyed it shooting, and, and I'm sorry, I enjoyed shooting there because the lighting was good. Um, right. It's always the thing. Well, we, what's it, best for John is a question that doesn't get asked enough. <laughs> it gets brought up enough by me, right? <laughs> it's a, yeah. Well, and one of the funny parts was is that they they would occasionally have a TV crew or two, and uh, depending on where they were, they would try to put them in a corner. And as John alluded to, and here in Herkimer, there's not much space between the wall and the, where the sideline for the game is. And it works fine for, you know, a ref and an inbound, but when you've got a camera set up with a tripod that's got the big one for one of the bigger cameras with a battery pack and you get the idea, plus their their bag they bring with them, it it kind of protrudes into the court. So they tried to put it over in the corner and that wasn't always received. And it, it kind of, it, it became kind of a humorous joke as where we're going on. Do you see that game about, what was it, about five weeks ago or something like that in Little Falls? Do you see how many times it got hit over there? Yeah. Sitting on the floor? That's the most, like, out of all games ever. I got nailed, like, about four or five times. <laughs> but, it, 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 and I agree. And it, it, the other thing I found was weird, too, is, is that, and, and again, this is just my logistical brain. When one game is over, when we play, JV is done playing. It, we put 20 minutes on the clock, music goes, varsity warms up, we go. Well, there were times where we would start at 5 or 5.30, whatever it was, and the game would end, and there would be a, 45-minute hour break between the two of them because the JV game wrapped up really quickly. And we would have to wait till 7 o'clock to start because the, the parents are waiting until 7 because, you know, teams are coming in, buses, logistics, and, you know, things as non-athletic director you don't think about. And I found it interesting that we ended more early doing it this way where we had a definitive start point of 7 o'clock mm-hmm. than anything else because even when we wouldn't, you know, the 20 minutes plus it would lag in. You're starting this varsity game at 7:20. Now you're talking 8 39 o'clock till you're going home. Drive time for me, you know, it's nothing but 10 minutes to get home. And then you're walking in the door at 9, 9 30. And I, I just thought that was interesting, especially for, you know, having a definitive set time. We're going to start here. We're going to start here. Worked better in terms of like getting home early, which not that I care about all that much, but just mm-hmm. something I'm not accustomed to. I'm like, it's 830 and I'm walking in my door at home. What the hell? Well, some things maybe we'll just keep after COVID. Yeah. The other thing I, I, I'll i be the one to say it is, and it was kind of a joke, is it was interesting not having parents and fans in the gym um, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the, the, the dynamic totally changed, especially when you need that home field advantage kind of thing. Um, you know, close game, that home field can account for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But one thing I have found over the years is is that parents will unabashedly cheer for their kids or mm-hmm. their team without understanding the rules. Oh yeah, and being right at the being right at the scorers table, they're always near, especially the opposing side a lot of times. And no matter what foul is called, 
there's a couple teams of a couple <laughs> of a, with a couple parents, and I'm not going to name who, why, where, how, because I don't feel like doing that. But no matter what happens, they would they would be hooked up to a lie detector, and their team has never fouled. <laughs> and so it was, it was nice just that it was nice just to play the game for once and just mm-hmm. to you see that. But uh, obviously, that's going to I think all come back next year to some degree. I had one coach. And I know the season has passed now that it's impossible to pin down which one I'm talking about. Tell me after a game, it was probably a close ending, that uh, the, their thought on the game was that they're looking forward to getting getting fans back in the stadium, getting fans back in the crowd, just because they do a good job of keeping the refs on their toes. No, and that that's an interesting know, take. In other words, for somebody to to to, uh, to get on the refs comes down to the coaches themselves, and that leads to too many technical fouls. Yeah, it's kind of the underlying thing of that. Mm. There, there was a lot of times this year too at, on that uh, on that line that I've noticed where refs would go over to the coach and they would totally they would totally shut a coach down. Mm. I think it happened once when, from my perspective, again, I, we were thing. I think we were playing Frankfurt, and the coach was getting it was chippy game going mm-hmm. back and forth and everything, and uh, the one of the Frankfurt coaches stood up and and properly called that's not a foul. Mm-hmm. It was it was a clean block, and the ref went over and said, "We're putting a warning in the book." And like, really, you know, in years past, it would have nothing. But with no, with no crowd noise, yeah. you can clearly hear, hear everything. Yeah. In baseball, the term uh, "rabbit ears" is a big thing that comes up with you know essentially yeah. it's the, the the referees getting hooked into what they're listening to the thing. And and for coaches with 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 without crowd noise out there, it's way too easy to pick their voices out. Yep. And uh, some quieter stuff. It was definitely one I saw this year that I'm still puzzled as to what exactly the call was, but I'm pretty sure the ref heard something that in a normal setting would have slipped under their radar. Right. Interesting. Refs, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do, and good mm-hmm. luck getting an answer. So uh, football's live. We got through our first week. We've got some scores in our press box, and everybody, I believe, in, in Herkimer County and Oneida County has already been moving forward with that. Um, what's your thoughts on besides it's great to be back on the sideline for football? What do you think? Any any uh, any thoughts? It, it's kind of nice because with with the centralized scheduling in football, yep, and all class based and stuff, you wind up with some peculiar scheduling things. Yeah, like I think the original schedule for the fall came out. I hope I've got this one right. Maybe it was. I wouldn't have been last last season was fine. So they they had to have had one out for this year. And Mount Markham and Little Falls are Class C football schools. Right. But when they divvied up the leagues, they put them in opposite in different divisions. They're the, I mean, they're the two closest to each other of anybody at the eastern end of the section. Right. But somehow, like, one went north, one went south. One went east, one went north. I don't know what it was. But somehow, the single closest team in the pool you're playing from, and they're not playing each other, which seemed odd. Um. And it, it brought back this scheduling within the county, brings back regional scheduling in a way that has pretty much been gone the time that I've been here because they've pretty much gone to the state playoff format and hence right. the scheduling on right now. But, you know, um, Herkimer Ilian was supposed to be a huge rivalry somewhere in the past, but classifications have come along. Ilian becomes a B school. Yep. Herkimer's a C or a D, and there's no real way to make that game happen on the schedule now. It's more viable. Um West Canada Valley, the only eight-player team in, say, in Herkimer County, doesn't have anybody to play as that. They find a few extra kids. They put a bunch of soccer kids playing for them, and now they're back up. And week one, we get West Canada at which is 
a rivalry in, in those two towns that's a big deal. Right. But they haven't played each other since 2017 because West Canada has been short on kids. So that's been kind of an interesting part of it. And you're, when you say going back, are you talking like Tri-Valley, like back in the day of that? Or are you yeah. talking CSC? Um, boy, I'm not even sure I can give you the right naming for the leagues. At the but time it, w- it was that. like yeah. w- It was all regional-based kind of stuff. And, and I mean, they, they try to a point of trying to get – get as regional with the schedule as they can, but then logistics come in, and I think I saw the chart from a friend of mine who was an AD at one point, or he was on the football committee at least, where they're comparing the mileage possibilities of different combinations, and you suddenly see, why, oh, that's why it makes sense for Team X out of Herkimer County to go to both Immaculate Heart and uh, and Beaver River versus playing here in the overall picture. And like, Yeah, but I feel like that's a hard sell. Yeah, like I forgot what it was. We did a away game. We were in in Canastota, mm-hmm. in Jordan Elbridge, and there was another distance game. And being in the, you know in mm-hmm. car transport, that's fun. Well, in 2019, the alignment that year, Mount Markham, who now comes back to Herkimer County, plays everybody else, was in a league with the team based in Tully. Right. Which is a ride. Yeah, I've done that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a uh, bit of a haul. That's a that's a Friday night and Saturday recovery all day from the drive time alone six hours well not really but you get the idea mm-hmm. but no I it, it, it was good to be on the sideline I know we, we ran into each other at the Herkimer Little Falls game the one thing I found interesting is that they're doing this thing where you're only allowing 200 people to be on premises or whatever so that means home fans can't travel and I, I under, obviously understand the restriction and trying to keep everything down. It was just weird to me because I, I think at one point we counted and there was only like 35, 40 people maybe in the stands in the Little Falls. And there's, I mean, it, it it literally didn't feel like a football game. And I think that's something personally for me, having been around, you know, sports, you could maybe get away with a basketball game without having the loud crowd, but football without a crowd is just, maybe it's because it's always outdoors and basketball's mm-hmm. indoors and it makes, you know, the venues are different. But I found that to be a, a stark difference. There was... Even on the bad calls, and there was, you know, there are a handful of bad calls. It's high school football. What are you going to do? Parents, quiet. Can't even hear them. It was, it was, it was interesting. Well, you, when you could sit home and watch it on the big screen, I mean. I mean, I don't blame you. I said comfy. <laughs> Same logic is applied why I don't go, you know, down to New York when Dallas comes up to play the Giants because I'm not going to pay all that money for a ticket, and I'm also not going to freeze my ass off. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to sit at home and, and watch, watch it on TV in December, yeah. Unless it's blacked out. There you go. Well, there are ways around that, but yeah. that's okay. That's that's the thing I feel like I've missed out on in all of this is I have not yet watched a stream of any of these games. Really? I haven't seen one yet. I haven't even haven't even looked up to see where to watch them. I, I did a story back a while ago get going into one of the seasons, but and again, I'm I'm somewhere every night, so I don't get around to watching them, but I have not had a chance to like had a chance. I've not taken the opportunity to check any of them out and see how the quality of them is. So I did some just to see mm-hmm. how they were doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know. It's not, it's not awful. It's not awful. I mean, it also depends on where you are. You can tell some schools just set up a, a webcam someplace mm-hmm. and yeah. did whatever. You can definitely tell some schools put in the, the extra effort. Yeah. yeah. It's expensive to do that. Yeah. I mean, really, mm-hmm. you, you need three cameras and, mm-hmm. you know. One of them should be moving around. CVA has one where they put it up on the ceiling. The, yeah, ceiling it, cam, and it and it rotates automatically. I and I don't know who sits in the control or whatever, but it, it's it, good stuff. The one thing I wonder too is, is that you know, not so much now because you know this is a function of 
the need to make sure parents are able to see their kids playing now. I wonder what happens moving forward. Is this streaming thing going to be part of reality of sports here so people can still watch? Um, you know, uh, I'm thinking, you know, not even next year because next year is going to be that hybrid back to normal, hopefully. But I'm thinking like three, four years down the road. Mm-hmm. Are we still going to be able to stream a game? I think so. What do you think, John? I, I, I've heard a number of people suggest that they they want to see it stay. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing that specifically gets mentioned is the idea that, and we're going to use this one as a generic, but the idea that, that, that grandparents off in Texas can tune in and see the kids' games yeah. with or without the COVID blockage, and it's, it makes it more available that way. Right. I think for football coaches from a scouting standpoint, they're going to love it. Well, they're not going to like it with their own schools, but right. the trade-off being that they can check out everybody else. And right. you've got a handful of schools that view themselves as contenders down the road, sectional and state-wise going forward just for a chance to get out and get a look at video a little earlier than they might otherwise. But I think that'll have some popularity yeah. to it. I went to uh, down in Mississippi to see my grandson play down there mm-hmm. before COVID hit the right. fall. What was that 2019? Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they got the jumbotron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are running commercials. They have multiple cameras. It is a production and a half. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, I was like, man, I can watch his games here. It's like watching the NFL. Mm-hmm. Right. It was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and I think being down there, especially being heavy, you know, football and basketball to a different light. I mean, I have family down there, too. One of my uh, uncles is a assistant coach for some high school team in Texas. And when they play on Friday night, like the joke is, is Walmart shuts down. Yeah. And, and, and we it's say that as a deal. joke, but it, it, it's probably true. It's a big deal. There were a hundred and I want to say 110 or 15 kids on his team. Jesus. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So you've got an army squad sitting on the side, ready to rock and roll. Yeah. They can, they can fill in any position multiple mm-hmm. times. And, and I think they said, you know, the, the lowest, the, the highest attended game, I think that I've been to at least in, in sticking with football in this sense is way back when you were talking about back in the day, it was the Herkimer Ilian game. Cause it was, mm-hmm. they knew the merge was coming through. Something was going to give. And it was probably, which ended up being the last time that they played there had to have been 7,500 to 8,500 people because there, there was the, if you weren't there two hours before, there was no room to sit in the stands, both yeah. sides, and it was standing room only all the way around the field. It's um, a big crowd for up here. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, down there, they said the lowest attended game in the last like 10 years or something like that was like 10,000 people on a Friday night. So our, our, our highest is their lowest. <laughs> yeah. Something you run into doing. I, I don't know specifically the Texas thing, but I, I grew up in Vermont, which is a big place for big crowds. But one of the things is, when, <laughs> well, when we especially get, during woodpecker season, well, there you go. But when we get, when we get into uh, we get into merger discussions around here, I went into a unionized district, was where I went to high school growing up, and basically what you're seeing where they start pressuring to do some of the mergers here now is something that happened in Vermont, twenty five. Well, going on probably 50 years ago now. And they're, they're, they're on another round of pushing it down. But, you know, I went, I went to a school that's large by the standards around here, but there's only three high schools in my home county. Oh, okay. So, again, we, we couldn't have done the COVID scheduling that you have around here because you really would have been flipping a coin over which one you play and whether you got the blue night off because there's literally just three schools. Right. And I, the district I went to is roughly the side of this whole southern Herkimer County area. I know most of the people that are probably listening here are 
are from the Herkimer County area. What mm-hmm. did you see in, in either over in Montgomery or over in Oneida? Same kind of setup, everything working good there. Was there any differences that were noticeable, at least maybe in jumping back to basketball or things that you're seeing and reporting from the football aspect coming from, because they've been online a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, well, they're, they're ahead. Weirdly right now, they're a little bit ahead and behind at the same time because while we're, where we're at, they're a couple weeks ahead on football. They played about a month ahead on basketball. But they're also playing their soccer season right now, which oh, right. was played in the fall here. Right. Um, they they opted to move that at the time, and uh, Section Four down at Richfield Springs League did the same thing. Right. Um, I feel like anecdotally, the uh, the big difference I've seen is enforcement of the mask rule on players is a little different from one to the other. Okay. Um, I vary on where I think it's stricter, but I think. Uh, I think one of the three sections has been much looser with the the, the enforcement. I mean, you've got to have it on and have it accessible to play. Right. For basketball in particular. But shooting photos, you kind of notice the difference. And a friend of mine shot soccer in which section we're talking about this weekend. And his message to me had to do with one getting done. And he's, he's being played just saying, oh, there's one kid. I just can't use any of the photos I took. And I immediately managed to name the kid because I know exactly who he's talking about. I've never seen that kid's face covered with a mask at any point. Yeah. It's always on, but it's not covering anything up. And you're trying not to, you're trying not to run those photos and set anybody off about right. safety issues or whatever anybody wants to complain about. And people will complain, but right. you wind up with a kid who you take a lot of photos of and go, like, could you just try once? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it's a little different here and there on those. Um, I think Montgomery County versus Herkimer on basketball, what I felt like was in a way Montgomery like did a little bit of the groundwork and testing to see, okay, what can we do with this? Because originally there for my accessibility press for basketball was it was going to be zero. Then they loosened it a little bit, and by the end of the year, I was able to stay through full games. But um, Herkimer County, just the one school had no media. And other than that, it's been fine. I mean, I and and moving forward, I, I think that you know, looking at numbers, trends, and all that, I think hopefully with a little bit of luck, we'll continue loosening up. And then as the availability of everything comes online, hopefully this time next year when we're doing normal, mm-hmm. hopefully you know everything works for fall one next year. Um, everything will be normal if we can use that word anymore. We can't. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And uh, the other thing too is is that you know. There are other areas of the country where spring ball is normal. Like when you play football, all you play mm-hmm. is football. Sure. Um, and you know, a couple. There's a couple kids that I'm aware of, or even around here in in all of the schools. There are four sport athletes this year, mm-hmm. which is absolutely insane. By the way, your schedule worked out. You know, there are no four sport athletes anywhere down. So you you play football, you play football. You play baseball, you play baseball, and maybe if you can squeeze basketball in there. But if you're football, that's the only thing you're dedicated. Like blood, sweat, and tears all day long. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see that, you know, because a lot of times I know a lot of the coaches up here have always said that uh, as they go through the football season, you know, if you if you end up in sectionals or you end up, you know, going into the playoffs, once that's done come Thanksgiving time, that's it. Your kids are done. You know, the only thing they do is if they play other sports. Otherwise, you know, and I think back when I was in high school, they were still lifting weights and stuff like that. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that does happen to a smaller, you know, sense, but 
it's interesting now that we're going again. I wonder what the the level of play next year for the uh, the juniors and underclassmen that return, because mm-hmm. now you're going to be exposed to this. Now that's going to last until summer. Any baseball season, you know, at that point you're talking off season for football anyway, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll get them plugged back in to get that kind of rotation back. I guess we'll find out in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um. Any news on spring sports? We've heard some things on on playoffs being allowed, baseball. I mean, I know it's way too early to talk about any of that. We had Zach Steele a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about how he's prepped baseball, but it's all football right now. Anything you're hearing on that end? The the, the baseball scheduling, the one thing I picked up in the last, last week, so I finally got the schedule from one of my Section 2 schools that I cover, is that they're having – it's been an adventure handling the scheduling because – the, the messaging keeps changing off. And when they were when they first came up with this version of the schedule and where the fall two was going to come in, right. after the state finally gave them the February 1st date, um, there was talk that if we got rid of regions testing completely in the spring, the season could go as late as June 30th. And there was a lot of planning around that. And there are some enthusiastic baseball schools around here that were all set to pack it with as many games as they could get in. Then the state... State keeps saying it's not going to cancel the spring tournaments. Is, am I right on that one? I believe you're right because I think the, that's the, it. The, the, the sectionals and, and tournaments are back. So now they're talking about fitting in a sectional tournament. So the, the one school in particular now has an official like 12 game schedule out because they've had to cut like three weeks off what they thought they'd be able to go with or what they were hoping to be able to go with to accommodate the the the, the, the playoffs. That along with you know along with testing for students, they were kind of expecting would be canceled. Right, um, and that's and, and that's not happening. Uh, it's apparently what apparently we're we're going forward with this new plan with new target dates for for, for states and sections, um, and then of course the the question that comes up when I go there is, well, what's going to happen in section three where they're running a week or two behind? They're running a week a week or two behind with football right now. Is you know when are they starting with baseball? And that's going to again so that's pinching in section three or pin, pinching in Herkimer County again. Right along with it. So that that's going to get interesting. And I know there is an overlap with some of the baseball coaches and Zach had hinted to it and mm-hmm. I've heard it from a few others that there's going to be some logistical issues because the, the rule is, is that if you practice once a day, you can only practice. So where does the practice count? If you've got football and baseball practice, they pre- can, can they say, well, I've got enough for football now. I'm not, I'm going to practice for football, but not have it count and choose where the practice is. You know, it just, well, they, they've, they've relaxed the requirement on the eligibility for the number of practices. So if you're playing a fall two sport right now, yep. if you need your 10 days of practice time before a games, it like cuts it from 10 to 5 or something like that. So basically the work you're doing in one sport versus the other counts. Uh, but, you know, we're even seeing it a little bit in Herkimer County now with the football-basketball transition. Right. Uh, Brian Shepherdson's first football game was Saturday, coaching in Little Falls along with a handful of his players at least, and their last basketball game was 10 days before that. Right. So, like, they played they played their last two basketball games after football practice had already started. Rare. I mean, un- unless mm-hmm. it – I mean, it, it does happen, but to a lesser extent, you mm-hmm. know, section. If you're in sectionals and you're making a deep run, but if you're if – you're, But that was always a question uh, with a couple of schools around here was if you make a long postseason run in football particularly where – you got a week between games. Um, would the year Dolls will win the state championship in football? Two thousand, I believe so. I think. 
Yeah, I, I covered that. That was the Friday morning game the day after Thanksgiving. Yep. And I covered the first round of Herkimer's tip-off basketball tournament on my way home. Oh, wow. And I know, you know, from, again, Herkimer's perspective, when we went, what was it, a couple of years, we went to the Dome, then we went down to Binghamton, whoever mm-hmm. we played down there. They came back, and for for score table, for basketball, we had scrimmage that next Thursday, I think it was. So mm-hmm. there was a three-day off. that That's where it worked. And now with the compact schedules, you're seeing that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, everything for spring is still moving. Really, for us, spring is just is it is it just baseball, softball, and and golf in some respects. Tennis, maybe you got track. Track. Uh, boys' tennis is in the spring. Lacrosse, where you've got lacrosse, right? And uh, wrestling got moved to the spring. Oh, okay. So that's that's going to be an interesting one. Wrestling in the spring. Um. Okay. We're gonna. Well, I pitched that idea already. I've talked to at least a couple coaches about this, and the one idea I have is suddenly, instead of being a middle winter sport, yeah, and with all the logistics stuff you're dealing with and spectators and stuff, it's trying to push the idea of hey, is there a chance, depending on your facilities, of moving it outside? Oh, okay. Maybe doing a feature type thing, get the football stands involved to increase spectatorship at least a little bit instead of being indoors. That'd be cool. And again, it's just... It's, Why not? Yeah. It didn't come <laughs> off like I was the first one that it suggested. So, I mean, it, apparently the idea is out there. But that's that's a thing that at least would be interesting and different. I mean, you're adding the open air to it. it probably being a close contact sport with the way it is, it'll Safer. alleviate some of the concerns. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Dave loves it. I like it. I'm on. Let's like, put the put the, put the drone above uh above whatever and Could do that. Yep. Outdoor wrestling tournament with a with the drone camera footage. Outdoor wrestling indoor pool. Combine the two events. <laughs> <laughs> what is this a biathlon all of a sudden? Underwater wrestling. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I'm, oh, John, I'm, I'm, John's going there. There's going to be a Twitter page up with that. Oh god. I, I, I mean, I'm envisioning the idea with the amount of building we've seen on campuses around here. There's a couple of a couple off the top of my head, big wrestling programs around here that have put it in turf. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be the mats and everything else you put out isn't going to kill out turf the way it would grass. It just, it seems like, it seems like something to at least explore as an option. Yeah. And I mean, if you've got the wrestling team where you've got the, you know, the dedication, like mm-hmm. you said, roll them out, put them out there. Mm-hmm. Put a kid in a headlock and you got the mat 30 yards down the field. Can you? Can, <laughs> you oh, God. Just got a visual. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine getting the wrestling <laughs> picture with a sunset in the background? Exactly. Oh, I mean, that'd be nice. You, you, you get the full-on like WWF SummerSlam type of effect out of a out of a high school wrestling tournament would be, or I mean, I guess we're not going to do tournaments, but we're going to do dual meets or whatever. Right. But again, I, I think I think it'd be an interesting and a memorable thing for the kids potentially. I think sure. yeah, I th- I think there should be. I think it would get some reception from parents or from fans. It seems like a thing that could work. I don't know all the ins and outs of what you'd have to go through to make it work, but it's an idea. Idea, I like it. We're gonna, we're gonna. If if that happens, we'll, we'll get your drone. We'll do we'll do a live feature from a, some sideline. Schools going nuts on that. Are they? Start flying the drone around. Well, I will say so. Uh, re- going back to football for a second, when we were at Little Falls, get there a little bit earlier to set everything up and. Uh, some some guy who must own the property adjacent to the field set up a tree stand. 
He went over there. All, we, we heard like an ATV or a side-by-side go over on there. I'm like, okay, they're just, you know, riding or whatever. Then it sounded like there was either like some kind of like chainsaw or something like that. I didn't know what they were doing or if they were cutting something. Then all of a sudden we're over there and it, it's Chris Ezzo on the sideline and, and me where everything's set up. The, the bus had just gotten there. Music had started playing and we look over directly. If you're standing, for those of you who know Little Falls, if you're standing on the gate to get on the field, Pretty much straight ahead, there was some guy in a tree stand. Mm-hmm. He st- he was it was a, it was cold, it was windy, and he was there for the first the whole half. Went came back a little bit after halftime, and then he bounced. He wasn't there at the end of the game, but he whoever he is, if sir, if you're listening, you get a hundred points for ingenuity for watching that game <laughs> because it was your property, not school's property, and it yeah. sat in a tree stand the whole time. Good well, deal. And, and that, that is an interesting thing comes out of restricting attendance for the outdoor sports. It yeah. Saw during soccer season. Yeah. I'm convinced any game I covered in Alien at CVA, there were more people outside the fence line where you have a clear view looking in through, sitting on top of the backs of their pickups, sitting on sitting on cars, just standing looking through the fence. I think there were more people there than there were in the stands. Really? Um, um, I mean, it, it makes sense. When, uh, when when Mohawk was still using Lower Toba for football, there were always people like basically with, you know, fire pit going, hanging out in their backyards, watching through the fence over there rather than coming into the stadium. That's true. They've got the fence is the only thing separating them. There's no one sitting in their way. They can just sit and watch in their backyard with uh, refreshments that aren't available at the game. And, uh, <laughs> they and are. They're just a, under the table. And, and, and so... <laughs> Flask, <laughs> and, flask, and, and some of those games, the fire's kind of a nice little addition because it's a yeah. bit chilly out. You know? Yeah, nice. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a thing, and it's, you know, it opens up a certain amount of ingenuity. I wouldn't have thought of a tree stand, but that's that's something different. You kind of get the, uh, the the Wrigley Field effect. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you know, we're hopefully at the back end of it. Um, you kind of hinted at it and talked about it a little bit, but COVID protocols seem to have worked. Everybody kind of receptive. I mean. You know, at this point, it's just kind of, it's there. People know what to do with it, and it's just, it, it's become kind of. I think people have been pretty cooperative. Yeah. I mean, I can think of specific examples. The, the, we, we saw it more in the fall. I think people have gotten the hang of what they're dealing with now, that they found out that there's not going to be all the loopholes they were looking for. Yeah. Um, I specifically remember parent with, uh, with, 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 with hangers on with them coming to the gate at one place who has a pass for whatever game it was at the fall and going, well, well, I've got my kids with me and what am I supposed to do with them? Don't bring them is the answer. And I would say to the credit of the people running things, yeah, that's, that's what the answer is. If you don't have the pass for them, don't bring them with you. Right. And once you start it's where do you allow the because right. it becomes the line moves and instead of moving it it's going to be like oh, if you allow two well then sometimes three and then three becomes the norm and then sometimes four and then four becomes the norm and wherever you put the line somebody's going to try to push it a little bit sure. and fortunately that's so you know again I mentioned there's the one school in the fall that was not allowing anybody including media in and I checked on it the one time it was a late minute last minute thing I sent the thing out didn't have a response yet and it was a time I had nothing else doing so I gave it a shot and drove there. Got turned away, which I was led to expect. Right. But, no, it's, it's again, if, if you're consistent about it and you do this stuff, it doesn't take long for people to catch on that this is how it's going to work, and we're serious about it. Yeah. And, and again, from, from my perspective, I know and our athletic director was very strict on masks. Mm-hmm. Um, she would, in the middle of the game, she'd be watching the whole game. She'd be there, pull your mask up, pull your mask up, and, and did a very good job of corralling because that was what the agreed-upon rules were. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christy did a great job with that. And, 
you know, as the, as the season went on, it became word got out that when you go to Herkimer, mm-hmm. they take it seriously. And I don't know where their others maybe didn't, but so, yeah. The funniest thing I heard about that was with, with the streaming, particularly for basketball, was the amount of feedback about every little thing on the court people were seeing when they were watching it, watching Rome, basically whichever school had had to put in a hotline number to call in with any issues about this stuff. And the complaints about, oh, so-and-so's mask is down during a timeout during gathering. But it became a thing for the athletic directors where you ask, is it okay if I do this? Yeah, man, I don't mind, but I'm going to hear about it from somebody. And that becomes... Again, in the midst of them policing what they're trying to police, they're being policed on the backside by this. What is it, golf? Like, you, don't they have it in the golf when you get the, you know, you see somebody break an infraction while you're watching on the golf line and he screws somebody out of a championship kind of thing? That's fabulous. Yeah, because that's exactly what I'm, one, sorry golfers, I'm not a, I'm not a watching of a golf kind of fan. And number two, I can't golf to save my own. So anyway, what's coming up? Oh, we got more football. Thank God. Well, not this week. We there's bye weeks. That's the other weird thing. There's bye well, weeks in there. But this is what happens. You've got seven teams. That's right. And and you don't have the freedom to go out and schedule your own like I mean, it'd be perfect to say this is the week that say Dollsville or Little Falls get skipped and you've got Kennedy Hurry Fort Plain playing just down the road yep. who in section two they're having some issues where I think they've already had one game had to get switched to a scrimmage because of the number of available players, and another game got canceled. Halftime? Is it, what was it? No, Sequoia? Sequoia last yeah, week at halftime? Yeah, yeah the, that the game that. up in Boonville or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's unfortunate. But, but again, I mean, Sequoia's another one where you'll say Mount Markham came, was a team that didn't have a game one week, and you've got Mount, you've got Sequoia Valley. Go right now there. Like literally next door. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you don't have the freedom to do that right now. So, right. So we're seeing different things. Boonville's another one who's right. not that far out of the way. Or Adirondack, yeah, the right terms here. Um, yeah, and so without that, yeah, you wind up with Frankfurt Skyler coming off its first sectional title in many, many years. Winds up with a team that has no game week one. Um, is it Herkimer this week? Herkimer's got to buy. Yeah, so yeah, it's a it's a different thing, and we'll see. This is this this Friday. There's three games. It'll be the last full scheduled game night on the schedule. There might not even be another night on the schedule that has more than one game. Right, because, because it's all staggered for refs yep. and all that kind of jazz, too. All for refs, and then to, to get the schools that opted to play five games, they've got to start pinching games together to get them in. And yep. Crazy. It'll be, it'll be interesting. What else? Any other uh, sports going on? I've got volleyball here in Section 3 right now. Okay. Uh, shots, soccer in Section 2. Yeah, Section 2. Sit here on the border, you think I'd have them memorized by now, but yeah. So I was over in St. Johnsville in Fort Plain on Saturday, saw some soccer over there. Gotcha. Um, up in Hunterfree, St. Johnsville is having the uh, the opposite luck of its basketball season during soccer right now. Um, they struggled through basketball yeah. with the uh, the in county play, and neither one of their teams has lost a game yet in soccer. Nice. So that's kind of cool. Cool. Well. We will, uh, we're going to go into our commercial break here, and John's going to stay with us for PressBox. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Visit My Little Falls and stay connected with the latest news information and events in the city. Our mission is to generate interest in the community and connect residents in a more meaningful way by facilitating deeper conversations about how these stories will shape the future of Little Falls, New York. Join thousands of weekly visitors who stay up to date with feature stories, interviews, videos, and our events calendar. 
It's about timely local news for the community, keeping citizens informed about important issues, telling stories about the people who live and work here, and giving locally owned businesses the opportunity to reach a very targeted audience of local residents and tourists alike. It's a whole new form of media-rich content developed specifically for today's mobile lifestyle and listeners. You can download our iOS app in the iTunes store or sign up for our weekly newsletter. Stop by today at mylittlefalls.com. You'll be glad you did. And we're back. So we're going to do our press box segment and feel free to jump in at any point of anything you saw. Um, first, we'll cover some high school sports. We got some uh, football all around. Herkimer defeated Little Falls 20-12 to over the weekend on Saturday. And I believe that was the first game under the lights. First football game under the lights, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. In, in, I know we were on the sideline, and it was it was getting that dusk part, and the lights mm-hmm. were already on, and it's like they don't do anything. But then when it's dark, they those they they do a good job. They were they were good. Uh, daylight saving time is an interesting new effect for some of these sports. Yeah, I had issues with some photo incidents in uh, during basketball season where you got setting sun coming in through windows that you're not used to. Oh, you don't. I would have never thought about that, but yeah, I guess that's there. Dodgeville and uh, played West Canada. Dodgeville won 32 to six. And they're going to hold that one on for a while as they usually do being the rivals that they are. Mount Markham blank CVA 34 to zero. And we got a merged uh, school district down in, what is it? What's next door in Oneida County? They're, they're still section three there, right? Yep. So we got uh, Hamilton Waterville was 50. Sequoia Valley was 14. I believe that was the game that was that the one that was stopped at halftime. Could have been. One of them was one of the games were stopped at halftime because I, something I was, with a contact I thought, tracing. I thought it was a game at at Adirondack that got stopped. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I think I think that was who was it was. That, so yeah. whoever was that because that score wasn't reported. Oneida 27, Camden 21, and then West Jenny 42 and RFA 6. Jumping over to uh, girls volleyball, Little Falls was beat Owen D. Young three to one. Hamilton beat Westmoreland three to two, and Old Forge beat Herkimer three to zero. Coming over to college, we have women's soccer. MV uh, played Monroe, and they find it was final three three after an overtime, so that had to have been a good game. And Utica College fell to Russell Sage two to one in the Empire Tournament, and their season is over. Um, nice little Cinderella to get into the tournament, but unfortunately came to an early end. Over in uh, in men's soccer, Herkimer beat Niagara County two to one, and MV beat Monroe four to zero. Um, jumping over to um, men's lacrosse, SUNY Plattsburgh was six, and SUNY Oneonta was thirteen. Watched part of that on replay earlier today. Looked like it was a good game. SUNY Plattsburgh just couldn't hold it on. Jumping over to uh, oh, and on men's lacrosse. Uh, Syracuse and uh, North Carolina played this weekend, and North Carolina just dominated them, and it, it wasn't even a game. And that it was 21-9 final score, and that jeopardizes their postseason with a 1-3 conference record. In their last two games, they're playing ranked number three Virginia and ranked number two Notre Dame, and both on the road. So Syracuse better really pull it together, or that's not going to end well. Uh, women's lacrosse, we have Nazareth 15, Utica College 9. Uh, women's tennis... Uh, SUNY Oneonta, 9. SUNY Plattsburgh, 0. Men's Tennis, St. John Fisher, 9. Utica College, 0. And then jumping over to women's softball, there was a couple double headers that looked like they happened here. Utica College with a double header uh, facing Nazareth. 
on Friday. Utica College won both games. First game was 10 to 7. Second game was 5 to 4. And then there was a double header on Sunday. St. John Fisher was 9, Utica College 1, and then St. John Fisher won the second game 11 to 1. And we're going to end college with baseball. Utica College first. They had a double header on Friday. Utica College 11, Keuka College 3, and then Keuka College won the second game 10 to 5. And then we've got two double headers, um, both Herkimer playing SUNY Adirondack, just by the way it happened Saturday and Sunday. So first game uh, on Saturday was a 4-5 win for Herkimer, and their second game was a 15-1 win against uh, Adirondack. Don't know what the difference between the scores were, but they, they definitely blew it up there. Then doubleheader on Saturday, Herkimer won both of them 18-6 and 15-2. Herkimer improves to a 16-2 overall record and remains perfect on the road with a 10-0 record. Yep. On the road. They uh, picked up a spot in the national rankings today there from number six to number five. Nice. Uh, the doubleheader yesterday was kind of interesting. So you play with the mercy rule in, in, in JCAA baseball, 10-run rule after five innings or, or beyond that. And they ended both games yesterday on grand slams in the sixth inning. Really? Wow. Way, to, way to put the exclamation point that we are <laughs> done with this game. <laughs> We're going home. Yeah, they scored. They scored ten runs in the bottom of the sixth in the second game. Would have been a, would have been a close, well pitched game. Just it got away in the final inning. But uh, and the first game, the first game, I think they had a bigger lead as it went along. But uh, yeah, they hit the ball. They they've been hitting the ball pretty well and got Coach Rathbun back playing on uh, his high school field now. So that's that's kind of fun. And, <laughs> and and so so this was yeah this was the thing Rob and I had talked about coming in is uh, so the wins yesterday give Jason Rathbun at uh, HCCC where where he pitched after high school. It's his 499th win. He goes for 500 on Tuesday when they host a doubleheader with Tompkins Cortland Community College. And uh, f- for me it's kind of weird cuz I was covering Jason as a high school pitcher when I started this job. And uh, we, we, we joked a couple hundred wins ago with him that it's like, yeah, you know, I saw him in high school. and I never thought I saw a 300-game winner walking off the field there, but uh, now he's going for 500 on me. So Jeez. That's tomorrow night? That's uh, tomorrow afternoon. First game's at 2. And it's up at up on the hill? They're playing at Vets Park. They've moved their home games right. down to uh, the stadium here in Little Falls for the, for the season. Nice. Uh, the plan was they were going to do it last year. They're doing it this year. I don't know if this is a long-term plan or – well, what exactly we got going? But I, I think, I think they had planned it mm-hmm. last year. I think they want it to be long term. I mean, it's cool. It's right next door. It's yeah. a you know semi pro over there, and it it definitely works. It's it's a hop, skip, and a jump. Well, it depends. Mm-hmm. I, I came down five S doing you know thirty miles an hour. That was fun. But still, being right next door, <laughs> yeah, I got that one in there. That happened. That, that totally <laughs> happened. That commute's terrible. It is <laughs> the wrong person in front of you, and you're dead. Yeah. We're 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 not so five hundred wins. That's gonna be that's yep. gonna be cool. Now they got a bunch of milestone wins coming up for uh, for for the coaches at at H Triple C. And I should have I should have written on my hand so I had all these down. But uh, <laughs> for the record, but we would have we would have busted him yeah. for it though. Last time John had notes on his hand. This time before before it was like watching we made the him, casino. We made him check his hands. Yeah, yeah. I, I bathed this time. Uh, <laughs> oh. no, I, I thought that was. Fall one scores on there. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, we got uh, yeah uh, PJN audios. I think coming up on 
think he's coming up on 400 with the softball team. Okay. And, of course, he was he played with Jason at age triple when, yep. they, when they were in college together, and he was the assistant coach to, to Rathman before the, the softball job opened up. So he's, Jason's got a few years on him in those gigs. And I don't remember the specifics on it, but they, they're <laughs> getting ready to honor uh, Pepe, Pepe Aragon reached – Whichever his next tier of wins was, a couple hundred, three, three hundred. I apologize, I don't have this off the top of my head, but that was the national tournament in 2019 for soccer. Right. Boy, these years are getting confusing to me. Uh, it's, but yeah, it's all starting to get smaller and, and compacted. So yeah, so P- PJ's back on the sideline for them this week. And, uh, he's he's been he's been on the, he, he's been missing from their first three games. They get him back and. Uh, so yeah, they, they've got uh, they got some exciting stuff going on from H Triple Z. They had a little fun yesterday with the SUNY Chancellor attending his first ever Herkimer Sporting event last. Uh, so no, oh, never. It was yesterday. He was at the first game of the doubleheader for baseball. Nice. Watched a nice little grand slam ending. Yeah. So exciting stuff. Yeah. And we had PJ on a couple weeks ago, and and I I love following him on uh, on social media during the game because you don't need to watch the game. Because every every major milestone in the game that happens mm-hmm. is 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 a, is a tweet or it's a Facebook post, and it, I, I feel bad for some of these teams that they play because they just bury them. Yeah, it's and I mean kudos to the girls for being able to do it and being the squad that they are, especially given the times that we're in. But they just they bury teams quick. Like, well, and again, they're geared for what they're geared for, and you know they're they're watching Rock Valley College out in Illinois. I believe that's correct. I'm going to go with Illinois. I apologize if I'm wrong. It's in Rockford. That's Yeah, it's Illinois. Yeah. It's Illinois. Okay. Uh, yeah, so the, the, you know they're watching Rock, Rock Valley as close as Rock, Rock, Rock Valley's watching them. They're 1-2 uh, they're in the National Bowl yet again, and yep. they finished the year 1-2 a bunch of years in a row right now. So, unfortunately, that leaves the teams they play during the regular season facing unpleasant matchups. Yes, yes. Jumping over to professional a little bit, uh, the Comets were back in action. They lost 6-2 to two to the Bruins, um, and it looks like the Utica Comets will likely end their affiliation with Vancouver um, and affiliate with the New Jersey Devils. Don't know much detail on that other than what was reported. Um, this past week, Rob Esch did trademark the name Utica Devils, which broke over the weekend in the news. Um, the Binghamton Devils have been notified that the New Jersey Devils will be relocating their AHL team. Assumingly, this partly stems from having the continued dispute between Binghamton and the NHL parent company. So it looks like uh, Utica will continue to host an AHL team at the odd, but maybe under a different name. And I'm sure Scott Over and uh, Marty's and Illegal Stick will be able to do more coverage as it unfolds because they're going to have their podcast recorded later in. And I'm sure having a couple extra days will lead to some more concrete details. I read the report on KTV and UTR this morning and uh, Rob Ash had not answered any questions yet, but they they have the they have the trademark for the Utica Devils. They've got that the Devils uh, down in Binghamton have been told they're done, but there's been no answer from front offices here. So, be interesting to see. I guess we'll have to uh, change out all of our jerseys. So I, I haven't read it all that carefully. I've skimmed some of it. I saw some of the Binghamton stuff. I'm trying to figure this. Is this then the same AHL franchise that left Utica after the ninety two ninety three season, looping its way back around? I don't. I, I would have only been two years old at that point, so I have oh. no idea. Oh, thanks. Thanks, thanks yeah, a lot. No problem. <laughs> Throwing that torpedo right out there. Thanks a bunch, Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. Damn kids these days. 
Yeah, so that that franchise, the Devils pulled out of Utica after the ninety two ninety three season and went to went to Albany. Isn't that Albany went to Binghamton? I think I that, think that's essentially the same franchise just coming back around. And then after that, the Utica Utica was the Mohawk Valley Prowlers at one point because I have the Beanie Baby thing at home someplace. Oh, there were the Bulldogs and the Prowlers, yeah. and there were others that they went through. They went through a few very quickly before this thing kind of stabilized it. Yeah. It, it, it's funny to think about, too, you, uh, going back to the, the power of sports, especially in our area, the odd wouldn't be open if Utica College didn't keep the their home ice there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the only thing that they were raking in money in for any any really f- period of time during that blackout period that they had for all those years. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, IndyCar returned this weekend. Alex Pale decided to grab his first win in the Alabama Grand Prix. Uh, this is the second time an IndyCar uh, circuit has been won by a Spaniard. Good Watch the whole thing. What a what a great race. Jimmy Johnson also made his debut in IndyCar. He placed 19th um, after getting into a crash and back on the course he trailed all day. But he kind of it looks like he used it as like a just he's out there. He's trying to keep above the, the time clock that puts you out. If you're under, I think it's like 200-something seconds, they, they drop you out, and then you put on warning and whatever. So he was just out there getting a feel for it. He said he, it was just a training exercise for him. And Simon Paginot apologized for causing the opening crash, which pushed all of Mercedes out pretty early. So that was fun to watch. Next week we'll be in uh, we'll be in St. Petersburg. So that's I'd love to go to Florida, but that's just not going to happen. NASCAR ran in Richmond this weekend, um, and it was held over with a, a nice little win there. And uh, late penalties changed the top ten ridiculous. They have penalties for everything, and I and I know that watching, but they just they have penalties for everything, and then and they call it the the. What is it? The you got to go through the pit um, road, and it's like the walk of shame because you got to you got to slow down. You watch the field go flying by, um, and next week's Talladega, so that's fun because you know Crash Central. So if you uh, bet on who's going to do that, that's fine. And uh, jumping over to professional baseball, quick Yankees continue to struggle, losing a Sunday night game, a Sunday day game rather to Tampa Bay, and is now in last place in the AL East. I know Zach Steele is excited about that because he's a Red Sox fan. His Red Sox stay in the lead. Rays are back two games. Blue Jays and Orioles are back three. And Yankees are in last place at four and a half games down. And over in the NL East, uh, anybody who's a Mets fan continues to have a, a rare good feeling around uh, sports, especially being early on. Continue holding first place over Philly with a one-game lead. Marlins are two games back. Braves are two and a half games back. And then the Nationals are out three games. So that's fun. I mean, I'm not a... I'm not a Mets fan, but I don't hate the Mets. I, I should hate the Mets, but I don't hate the Mets. So coaches and staff, as always, uh, please continue to send in your uh, sports reporting to us at sportsbeat at mylittlefalls.com. For updates, highlights throughout the week, find us on Facebook, Sportsbeat with Rob Drum. For all your local sports news and our podcast home, find us on mylittlefalls.com. John, thanks for joining us, man. Have fun. Uh, For me, Rob Drummond, for Dave Warner, we'll talk to you next week.